Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gaimia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Roxanne Lawler, Associate Pastor. Thanks for joining us. This week we continue our series looking at the parables Jesus told to explain the Kingdom of Heaven. This message teaches us three things about the King, and also three things about how we should live as we wait for the King to return. Bible reading tonight comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, and then down to 36 to 43. Um, So starting at verse 24, the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And then down to verse 36, the parable of the weeds explained. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the the world, and the good seed stands out for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Whoever has, hear, whoever has ears, let them hear. Thanks, Annie. Fantastic. Well, hi, everyone. Good evening. It is nice to see you. Uh, my name is Roxanne. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Gaimia Baptist. Huge big welcome if you are new. Uh, even if you're not new, it's a great big welcome to you as well. Uh, you might have noticed our Mother's Day photo booth there, um, ready to go. If you have not had a Mother's Day photo yet and you would like to have one after the service, you can feel free to get in there. Uh, it's very jolly this year and we do those every year just in case you're new and you're thinking, why the heck is there a play school set there? Um, We do that every year for funsies and we even print out a photo and give it to you. Um, So there you go. We are in the middle of a series and when I say in the middle, this is the second week of it. Uh, And the series is, as Belinda said, it's called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like... because we are looking at the expressions uh, and the parables that Jesus told from Matthew's Gospel where he's trying to capture and describe what the Kingdom of Heaven is like. And so he keeps saying, oh, the Kingdom of Heaven's like this. It's a man who sowed uh, in a field. It's, it's like this, it's like that. And um, we're actually gonna be tracking through them and getting a picture of what the Kingdom is like through these parables. Uh, but firstly, uh, you might be thinking, Kingdom of Heaven, is that like the Kingdom of God? Like, what's that all about? Well, Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, funnily enough, uh, was one of Jesus' disciples, and he 
basically in, in the Bible, he's the most Jewish focused of all the gospel writers. So he uses, it, he uses the term kingdom of heaven because probably he didn't really wanna say the kingdom of God. If you have any Jewish friends, often they won't wanna speak the name of God. Uh, that's a, a, a respect thing. So for Matthew, it's the kingdom of heaven, but it's interchangeable with kingdom of God. So there you go, a bit of information for you. But the, even the kingdom thing is a bit weird for us as modern people. We might, be, um, we might be aware that, you know, there's the kingdom of Brunei or, you know, there's Mary from Tasmania who became a princess and now she's sort of in the, you know, the kingdom over in Denmark. And that's kind of our understanding of the kingdom. We might've gone to the United Kingdom uh, over, you know, in Buckingham Palace. But a, a kingdom is a bit foreign to us as Australians. It's not kind of our reality. And so it's kind of, kind of tricky to go, what the heck is a kingdom? And, and when we think about a kingdom, we think about like a locality, right? A place in, in the world. So a, a king or a queen might have their power and authority kind of displayed and represented through a, a place and maybe also a palace, like Buckingham Palace. That's how a, a king or a queen shows who they are, shows their glory, here's the place, here's the borders of my land, here's my palace, here's my crown, aren't I great? Uh, and that's what we, we perceive as a kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven is an intangible kingdom. We can't touch it. It's different to um, a, a place with a palace. The way that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the way God displays his power and authority is not with just a locality, it's actually displayed and represented and shown in the world by a people. A people with a purpose is how the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is, is represented on the earth. So this, this kingdom of heaven that Matthew's talking about, it's this intangible kingdom. It's the reign of God, it's the authority of God, it's the power of God. And it's all encompassing, but it's displayed through God's people who have a purpose, which is allegiance to the King, obedience to the King, and doing whatever it, whatever it is the King wants. It's not bound in an area, it everywhere, yeah? So that is, is kind of the kingdom of, of heaven in, in Bible languages, in a little nutshell for you. Um, but Jesus takes the concept of this kingdom of heaven is like, and because it's such an intangible thing, it's really hard to get your head around, he explains it using parables. Now, you've, if you've come up through kids' church or Sunday school or you've taught scripture or anything, uh, you'll kind of know the old expression that says a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Ever heard that one before? It's kind of a cool expression, I don't mind it actually. Uh, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, that's what a parable is. But I think it's actually probably a little bit more than that. Rather than just something that we read and go, okay, who am I in the story, I'm that, tick, yep, now to crash this parable, I've got it all figured out. Rather than think about it just in terms of who am I, who are they, tick, 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 I understand it. A parable, the way Jesus tells them, is more like a house that we're meant to step into and look around and try to figure out how to live in. It's a literary construct. It's a big concept that Jesus tells this, this huge story and invites us to step in here and imagine life in and within this story. 
It's not something so much that you can just go, yep, I understand it, got it all cognitively. It's this all-encompassing invitation. Step into the parable, says Jesus. Let's see what happens. What's it like to live here within this story? So that's what I'm gonna ask you to do tonight, to kind of just go, okay, well, that's the point of a parable and and to, to take a big, huge step into the story as we try and figure out this and see what it's like within the parable that was read for us before. So this parable is only told in Matthew's Gospel. It's the only time it appears in Scripture. And Jesus then comes and and verse 24 says, Jesus told them another parable. And he's out, he's just told the story of the sower, which Matt spoke to us last week, the the guy who goes out and sows all the seed and some falls on the rocky ground and some falls on the path and the birds come and the weeds strangle and, and some falls on good soil. He's just told that parable. And then it says, Jesus told them another parable. The word told there is a pretty unique word. It's not just he just told them like this. The word can be used in a bunch of ways. It can be used to to say he entrusted to them a parable, but it can also be used for the the same term that if you were spreading a feast before someone, like a banquet, a big meal, you would, uh, you would you know, give that. So Jesus is, is not just telling them a story, he's actually entrusting them. He's laying before them this huge, big banquet. In other words, he's saying, here's some food for thought. Yeah? He's saying, chew on this. Get your teeth around this one. So as we're getting into this parable, we need to expect not only are we stepping into it, it's kind of chunky, you know, we're gonna have to chew at it a little bit. I know it's Sunday night, but I have confidence in you that you can dig into this with me and, uh, and really get your, get your hands in, get your, get your teeth into it and, um, and we can dive in. Is that okay? Is everyone all right with that tonight? Yes, they said, we can't wait. Give us the meaty parable, <laughs> we're in. Well, here we go. So he does tell them this parable, here it is. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like dot, 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 a man who sows good soil in, uh, seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. Now, I'm not the best gardener. My backyard is pretty weedy, so to be honest, it really wouldn't make much difference if this was my backyard. But for the people hearing this story for the first time, this agricultural uh, people group with farmers and fishermen and, and there's um, Pharisees and Sadducees and, and all the different types of Jewish people, they're hearing this story, this, is familiar ground. This is familiar territory. Because what Jesus describes is something that was actually known. It was known that uh, you would, if you had a field, um, plough the field and get it all ready and you would get in there and you would sow that good seed and you would be like happy and it was a huge big lot of work and all your servants would, would you know, sow the field and then you'd be exhausted after it. And then you would go uh, to bed and hope it all went well. But in this case, something happened. Somebody snuck in and oversowed the field. They snuck in with a different kind of seed and scattered it all throughout the, all throughout the field. This is actually a perfect crime 
that this person's done. Now, I don't know who this enemy was that's oversown the field. It could have been like some sort of scorned ex-lover. It could have been someone who had a, a fender bender with a donkey or something, something that they were angry at and you were like, right, that's it. You know, this person's crashed into my cart one too many times. I need revenge. I'm gonna oversow their field. Who knows what it was? But the thing is they went and oversow the field and do in the dark of night, run away, wipe your hands clean, off whistling down the road, happy days, and no one knows you've done it. No one knows you've committed the crime because it takes a really long time for the weeds to grow up. So that, poor, that person who's sowed his field is like, this is great. You know what? I didn't know I'd sowed so much wheat in my field. This is great. How great is this? The rain is calm, the sun is shining, and it's so luscious and green. It's almost like there's twice as much there. And they would have no idea until they did. It's basically a form of agricultural sabotage or bioterrorism that we're, we're describing. And it was such a known problem that the Romans had to establish an actual law forbidding it. And they had um, huge punishments for it because it was so bad. And you think, what the heck's with this weed and the wheat? Can't be that bad, is it? Well, it was probably, we don't really know, but we pretty much suspect that the thing that was sown here was probably something called Darnell. Now, Darnell is something that we know as false wheat. And I think I've got a picture um, of Darnell for you to have a look at here. Uh, it's a little bit small, sorry about that, but hopefully you can see it. Now, Darnell looks exactly like wheat. It grows up the same, it's got that straight stalk, like wheat, it's the same colouring as wheat, it has the same leaf structure as wheat, everything looks the same. There's very slight differences. Uh, the, the roots are more invasive into the ground. And when Darnell grows up uh, and, and, and flourishes, it does it at the same time as wheat. And wheat will grow heavy on the head and it will have that golden brown. You've probably seen pictures of, of wheat that's like that golden brown and they take it all off and mill it and so on. But Darnell stays upright and the seed is black. The seed is black. And if you eat Darnell, you can end up with headaches, dizziness, vomiting, and if you eat enough of it, you will die. It's toxic. False wheat, Darnell, is toxic. In fact, the Latin name, which I'm not even gonna pronounce, it's up there, it's the same word that we get the Latin name for drunkenness from. <laughs> That's how bad it was, it just set you drunk, but um, yeah, it was not healthy for you. So there is this Darnell growing in the midst of this, this field, and all of a sudden, um, the, the owner's servants come and they realise it in that moment, they go, oh, look at this. And so they come to him and say, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy has done this, he says. And they say, do you want us to go and pull them up? And he says, no, just leave it. Now, in most of the parables that we hear, there's usually a surprise moment. Um, we often don't get it because, you know, we're not living in first century Judea. Uh, so we don't often get that, the twist or the surprise moment. I think this is the surprise moment. I think that, do you want us to pull it up? No, leave the toxic weeds in my field. I think that's the moment that most Israelites would have had that record scratch and gone, what? 
leave it, what? Because like, even though they look pretty similar, you could probably very carefully pull them out. Because that's your options, right? It's to, to weed the field. The other option probably would be to slash and burn and write the whole thing off. But the farmer says, leave it, leave it. The reason I want you to leave it is because I care about my wheat. I care about making the wheat grow and we're not gonna do it until I see that black head and I see that brown head and we're gonna collect all the darnel and that's gonna get burnt and we're gonna collect all the wheat and that's gonna be put into my barn. So this is the thing. Now, these people are probably hearing this story and they're like, hmm, yes. I recognise Darnell. I know that happened to my sister-in-law and my, my cousin's brother. This is a bad thing. No wonder the Romans outlawed it. But the savvy ones amongst them, probably the Pharisees, Sadducees, those who were teachers of the law, would have heard this parable as Jesus is telling the crowd and they would have been going, ah, oh, this is one of those parables. I'm stepping in. Who am I in this story? They would have been thinking. This is not just a story about wheat and weeds, although interesting story if you like gardening. Who am I in this story, they would have been thinking. And I think that the Israelites there would have been thinking, you know, I've got who, we, who this is about. The good wheat, it's gotta be Israel. It's gotta be us, the people of God, right? Because doesn't Isaiah say that we are the planting of the Lord? I'm sure I've read that in Isaiah. We're the planting of the Lord, Israel. And hasn't God himself planted us in the promised land? I think he has, that's totally gotta be the field. And doesn't uh, the Psalms say that, that he waters us and grows us like good seed and that plants us in good soil and we grow? Got it, they would have maybe thought, Israel, it's about, it's about Israel, it's about us. And those, those, the bad weeds and the evil one, well, that's probably Gentiles. You know, it's probably Rome. I mean, here they are invading our land. And this is probably about how Jesus is gonna come and kick out the Romans and everything's gonna be different and uh, Israel's gonna be fine. Maybe that's what they would have been thinking. But fortunately, the disciples, love them, ask Jesus the question. Because after he leaves the crowd, Jesus and his disciples go back into the house. And this is where we're at, verse 36. They left the crowd and went into the house and the disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And this is where Jesus throws out the, the, the concept that it probably is about Israel and it's probably about the Romans, it's probably about the promised land. And he says, no, it's actually about me. Jesus is always doing that. He's always reframing the, the scriptures and centering himself and say, all the scriptures, all of it points to me. I'm the one that was promised throughout the whole Old Testament. And so he says, it's actually about me. And he says, here it is. The one who sows the good seed, that's the son of man, says Jesus. And the field, that's the world. And the world there is cosmos, which is you know, we get cosmos and we think about it as the stars and uh, the moon and the sun. So that's the world in, in, um, in here. So he says, the field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the enemy and the enemy who sows them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters 
are angels. And Jesus takes this parable and reframes it. It's not about Israel, it's not about the promised land, it's actually about the kingdom and it's about the people in the kingdom. It's not about a place with a palace, it's actually about a people with a purpose and here it is that these people are the, the Jesus people in the story. And that's, um, that's where he goes. Well, I think he tells this parable in order that we might understand the kingdom of God. And I think there's a few things we can understand about the kingdom of heaven from this parable. There's things that we understand about the king, and I think there's things that we understand about us and how we should live as people of the kingdom. I think, let's start with, people, let's start with the king. I think this parable tells us stuff about the character of the king. And here's the first thing it tells us. It tells us that Jesus acknowledges evil. That Jesus acknowledges the reality that evil exists in the world and that there is a second sower who seeks to, to destroy. It's a, a scripture in John 10.10 10, which Jesus says to his disciples, he says, the thief, the enemy, Satan, the thief comes in to kill, to steal, and destroy. Doesn't that sound like Darnell? He says, but I've come that you might have life, like wheat, and life to the full. So Jesus acknowledges that evil is real, and we live in a world, a very pluralistic society, where people don't actually really believe in the presence of evil, or the presence of an evil enemy of God. We have, um, I have, I have friends who are into new age uh, things like, uh, you know, they wanna heal by, uh, by, by Reiki and they wanna do tarot cards. And, and then I have other friends who are into Buddhism and there's no sense of evil in that. It's all just karma and, and what goes around comes around kind of stuff. And they, don't, they deny the presence of evil and the reality of evil. Because I think I look at the world and I see the beauty that the, world, that, that the Lord has created and then I see the reality that it is not as it should be. And Jesus here says, things are not as they should be. There is an enemy, but I've got a plan, says Jesus. So it tells us that Jesus acknowledges evil. The second thing I think it tells us about the king in the kingdom is that the king is patient. The king is patient. He doesn't say to the servants, right, that's it, obviously that field's, that field's done. There's Darnell in my field. There's that fake wheat. The whole thing's gonna be slashed and burned. That's not what he says. That's not the response of the king. The king is concerned with the growth of the wheat. He's concerned with the health of his people that he's sown. And he says, do not pull out the weeds. Let it grow, let it go because the, the wheat needs to grow too. And I think sometimes we can mistake God's patience for apathy or disinterest. We need to recognise that God is patient. His word says that, that uh, the Lord, the Lord is slow to anger, gracious and has compassion on all he has made. In fact, just a few uh, chapters earlier in Matthew, he has actually said that the, the Lord causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. The same, God blesses those who are saints and God blesses those who are sinners. And we need to recognise that he is patient and allows that to happen. 
um, because he's got a, a plan and that's his character. He is concerned for the wheat that grows. The third thing I think it tells us about the king is um, that the king is coming again. That's what it tells us about the king. That scripture, the whole Bible or the salvation history has what is known as a, it's a fancy word, it's called the teleological goal. So there is an end point, a telos, that the scriptures start at the beginning and, and it has an end point. The world is not gonna just keep rolling on and rolling on for and ever and ever until climate change destroys it. That God has got a plan and he is going to come back. The king is going to return. So we can learn from this parable that, that God will come and God will set everything to right and the things that cause evil will be destroyed. That the toxic nature of Darnell, that the things that destroy the world, God is going to deal with them once and for all and he is going to return tells us that about the king. But it also tells us some stuff about us. How should we live in this kingdom of heaven? How should we live? Because we're the ones who are growing up beside the weeds. It's messy in this field. It's messy in this world, God. How do we live? Well, it's a few things it tells us about us too. Firstly, I think it tells, this parable tells us who we are and it tells us who we're not. Friends, we are the wheat. We are people who have been sown into the kingdom by Jesus himself. We have been sown by the Son of Man and the Lord wants us to grow and flourish and produce good, good, life-giving heads of grain. It also tells us who we're not. We're not the servants. We're not the ones who will weed the field. We're not the angels who will come and judge. We're not the sower, we're the wheat. And once we realise our role as wheat, it helps us to not judge incorrectly who is wheat and who is weeds. That picture that I showed you, it's really hard to tell the difference between wheat and weeds, the darnel and wheat. It's really hard to tell. And in this parable, Jesus is encouraging us, do not be the, the servants that come and say, do you want us to pull up the weeds? Because church, I think the world has seen damage where Christians have said to God, you want us to pull up the weeds, right? And we've taken actions which actually have destroyed not only the weeds, but also have pulled up the roots of the weed as well where we have actually taken um, actions as a community that have actually done massive damage to the church. If you're a history student, you might remember the Crusades, where they tried to pull up different religions and, and get rid of them and called them evil. And the damage that did to the reputation of the church is phenomenal. Salem witch trials is another one, the Spanish Inquisition. There's so many times where, where the church globally has pulled up the weeds and hurt the witness of the church. And even just on a personal level, I know one of the things that the bandied around the internet is, is people say Christians are hypocritical and judgmental. And that, couldn't be our, that shan't be our testimony. That can't be who we are. We are wheat, but we are not responsible for pulling up the weeds. 
In fact, Jesus, just a few chapters before this, has told us not to judge. He says, don't judge or you're gonna be judged, he says. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use to judge others, guess what, that measure's gonna be used to you. And then he tells a story and says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the great whopping plank? He doesn't say great whopping in the scripture, in your own eye. (laughs) How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye uh, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And he says, don't judge. So church, remember who we are. We're the wheat and not the weeds and it's not our role to pull out and to judge others. That's for the Lord to decide. Bible says that, that God, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. He sees the human heart and he can judge. Another thing that it tells us for us to how to live nowadays in this field that we're growing in is that like God is patient, we too must be patient and endure. That the Lord has said that he will send the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust and we have to just focus on growing and producing the things that bring life. That we have to focus on our allegiance to the King and we have to be patient and endure. Just a reminder that he says that the field is the world, cosmos. He's not talking about an individual situation here. So he's not saying, this, this parable is not saying if you're stuck in an abusive situation, you should just grin and bear it and stay there and endure. That's not what this is speaking about. There's other parts of the Bible that do talk about that. That's not here. This is not talking about a, a toxic environment which you are individually in, but it is talking about the global problem of the world. It's, it's what the Psalms cry out and they say, how long, Lord, how long must we endure? Come, Lord. But we're called to be patient in waiting for the Lord to come. Jesus in in Matthew as well, teaches his disciples how to pray and he focuses their eyes on that great and glorious day when the Lord will come back and he encourages them to pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So as we're patiently waiting and and creation is groaning and we're waiting for the Lord, let's be people of prayer, let's be people who endure, let's be people of patience, let's be people who look to that great and glorious day when the Lord will come and set things to right and remove the toxic, poisonous Darnell. The third thing I think, and this is the last thing, that I think it teaches us about us, the how now shall we live as we wait for the, the kingdom to come in its fullness. I think what we need to do is be people who are repenting, who are turning, repenting just means turning back to God. I don't think Jesus is telling this parable to say, well, once you wheat, that's it, you're done. And and if you weeds, that's it, you're done. He actually is using this this literary story as a a challenge, as a a way to get us to think about who we are and where we are and where we recognise ourselves in the story. And I don't think he's saying that's it, set and forget. I think he's saying check yourself before you wreck yourself. I think he's actually saying just repent. Is there stuff in your life that is toxic? Is there stuff in your life which is looking like wheat, but it's actually a weed? What are you producing? Is it toxic? Is it poison? 
because we've got to get rid of that because I'm going to get rid of all the stuff that causes sin and all who do evil. So now's the time. In fact, Jesus starts his public ministry in Matthew with a call to repentance. It's the first thing he says in Matthew's gospel. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So church for us, a response for us is to be people of repentance, to recognise when there's stuff in us that's weedy and to know that, that the Lord can clear that out and he can get rid of it and he can deal with it because he sees it and to come before him humbly and say, King, I need you. King Jesus, I need you. Make me more like wheat that is life-giving and not like weeds. Also to repent if you've never had your response to God, if, if God has been tapping you on the shoulder, if you've been curious about Jesus, if you've been thinking, you know what, I don't think I've ever said to Jesus, Lord, I give you my life. If you've never come and said a prayer and said, okay, God, I believe you're real. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you, you died for me and I accept that and I receive that. This parable is talking to you too because you can take that very first step to, to Jesus and repent of what you've done and to say, okay, you know what, what I'm doing now is it's not working, it's toxic, it's poisonous. I look the part on the outside, but on the inside, I'm broken and hurting. I need you. This is an opportunity to repent and say, Jesus, before you come back, I wanna be in the right part of the field. I wanna be the, the real deal. I wanna be the, the one that brings life, not the one that brings death. So... The king acknowledges evil exists. The king is patient and the king is coming. And while we wait, we need to be not people who judge. We need to be people who are patient and we need to repent. It's a meaty parable, isn't it? It's a lot in there. There's a lot in their church. I'm gonna invite the, the worship team to, to come up and we're gonna have a, a song in response and um, as we do, I'm just going to um, invite you to pray with me. So as they come up, would you like to stand with me as, um, as I lead you in prayer? And uh, if this is something that you're thinking, you know what, I really want to find out more about this, or you're, you have never, ever gotten to know Jesus, you've never spoken to him, Belinda would like to talk to you about Alpha. It's starting tomorrow night. It goes for an hour on Zoom. She would love to open the Bible with you and explain the things of God. If you've got somebody in your life who you think, you know what, they should be doing Alpha. She would love to talk to you about that too. If this has stirred up things in your heart and you're thinking, you know what, there's something toxic in me, take this song and and. Pray it through and repent and seek the Lord because he is the king and he is good and he loves you. I'll be down the front if anyone needs prayer. But let me, uh, let me pray for you, church. Lord God, I, I thank you, Jesus, for this parable, that it's huge, it's meaty. It's, it's a whole thing that you've entrusted to us. I thank you, Lord, for that vision of, of wheat and weeds. We recognise that there are times in our life when we are weedy, not wheaty. We recognise, God, that there are times in our life where you know, we don't have things that bring life, but instead we have things that are toxic, things that are poison. We recognise that we live in a world which is a mix, Lord, a mix of good and bad and saints and sinners. And we thank you for your patience. Thank, that, thank you that you are slow to anger, quick to love, 
that you have compassion on all you have made. Thank you, King Jesus, that you reign. And thank you that you will return one day to sort this world out and to be enthroned forever. So we patiently wait, living lives that reflect the love of God as we pray, Your kingdom come. And we look forward to a time when God will make all things right and all things new. We pray that you are challenged, inspired and encouraged and that God used this message to draw you closer to Him, to increase your faith and to make you more like Jesus. God bless you today.